Stories hangout this time. I'm here with uh, uh, the ten people. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with too many people. Let me see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten, which is the maximum. Probably there are more people waiting on the list. Uh, actually, we are. You are all muted. You cannot speak. Nobody can hear you. I w we will try to unmute you all. Uh, by going through the list, okay? Uh, so it's an experiment. We don't know what is going to happen, Moritz. <laughs> no. And uh, let's just do it and see. Uh, so who do we unmute first? You can <laughs> raise your hand. The first one who is raising the hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, we choose. Okay, Kim, Kim, Kim. Excellent, but you have, you have to do it yourself. yourself. Yeah, otherwise it doesn't work. Kim? Oh, Santiago I'm, said... I'm here. Okay, I'm here. okay, great. Hi, Kim. Hi. How are you? Hello, good. How are you guys doing? Nice to see you. Yes, likewise. Yeah. How is it going? Good. Are you in New York now, Enrico? I'm in New York, yeah. All right. Let me see if I can show you some Brooklyn here. Yeah. All right. Well, not, not much. <laughs> here, okay. Original Brooklyn windows. Yeah, you cannot see it, but I swear it's Brooklyn. <laughs> Excellent. Please believe me. It's just a big photo. <laughs> actually, he, he is somewhere in... Yeah, I'm Poland. still in... I'm in Rome, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should introduce Kim. Kim is a partner at Periscopic, a data visualization boutique in Poland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> so what are you up to? Uh, we just finished up a project for the Hewlett Foundation, which was a lot of fun. Um, I don't have the link off the top of my head because <laughs> uh -huh. I just jumped in this as I saw it pop up on, on Google+. Plus. Um, but you can go to our website, periscopic.com, and see our latest stuff. Um, so the Hewlett fun. It was a, sort of an exploration of all of the grants they've made over the past 12 years, which is about $4 billion, which was interesting. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, so that's, that was a fun one. And I just got back from the Visualized Conference. Oh, great. How was it? It was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, just, you know, it was, it's amazing to me how many people I still have yet to meet. <laughs> yeah. everyone, everyone from Twitter I've known forever, but, you know, finally still, still meeting some of them. Uh, but some really fantastic talks. I know that they are, um, they're going to be putting up some of the videos soon. Um, so I strongly encourage people to check them out. Um, there were some really beautiful, some really emotional talks as well. You know, just people who are bringing their own sort of life stories into what they do and their process. It was really, really well done. Okay. So yeah. what, what was your highlight uh, apart from Santiago and Benjamin? Aside from the conference, I actually had this really beautiful encounter with Benjamin and um, and Christian, which was just total happenstance. They were they happened to be having lunch with Ann Kirk at uh, Dean and DeLuca, 
And so I, I popped in with them. We're sitting there, and and we're we're facing the window. And this poor young woman walks by with a bunch of blueprints in her hand, just as a huge gust of wind kicks up and blows all of her blueprints all over this Manhattan street. Just this whirlwind of papers, and and Christian and Benjamin run outside and quickly gather all the papers up and and rush this poor woman into being a deluca. It was it was Sounds beautiful. Sounds like a movie scene. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was absolutely beautiful. But it sort of in it. But it was really interesting to me because I was later um, interviewed by um, Gestalten, the publisher. And, you know, they were asking about the conference, and I was saying, you know, remarking that it's, it's such a fantastic community. I've never been a part of a professional community that's more welcoming and more generous and more wonderful, you know. And so, like, that little, uh, that little encounter was just, it just sort of, you know, showed how, how wonderful the community can be and just how, how nice everyone is. And, so I had a great time. And then they threw a great party, too, which was a lot of fun. Great, great. I was like actually planning to, to come to the party, but I couldn't. I had a flu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, But Santiago, you said besides Santiago, besides Benjamin, which were both fantastic, I have to say, and uh, just seeing them present uh, their work in person was was. You know, I, I, you know, they were the highlight. They were you know, uh, San Diego was the people's choice, which was awesome. He came out there with, with a rock star, which is really great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I don't know, some of the other ones that were fantastic. I had never seen Sha Huang uh, present before, and he gave a really beautiful talk. It was very poetic. <laughs> <laughs> I see Benjamin uh, showing his. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Santiago and Benjamin, can you briefly say what 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 did you present at Visualize? I'm trying to unmute you in the meantime, but you have to unmute yourself. Yeah, go. You have to unmute yourself. Click you? the red microphone. Top okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, I can hear Ben. Okay. Um. So I presented. Uh, basically an analysis of our own process. So I, I dug through like pages of CSV files that, that we tracked our own time uh, on data visualization projects. So I wanted to find out uh, how much time do we spend on, on different activities throughout the development and design cycle uh, of a data visualization project. So like it was kind of meta because I created visualizations out of data that I tracked during visualization projects, um, that was that was one of the parts, and and by that I explained a few um, challenges, so to speak, that we ran into. So like difficulties to uh, where we struggled with data, uh, where we struggled with uh, getting approval, where we struggled with um, getting physical sensors in place, stuff like that. And What's going on with data visualization, Vulcan. Go ahead. I don't know. It's some noise. Okay. Uh, and the other part was um, uh, completely lost the train of thought. No, the other part was oh, sorry. Uh, I, I made an investigation and, and contacted a lot of people uh, who work in that field um, to ask about how they approach their projects and to understand their process that they go through. 
and I, I got a really a lot, a lot of uh, responses from from a whole lot of people actually that were at the conference. And so I, I, I again like made an analysis of their uh, process and tried to distill some sort of um, visualization process framework out of it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I concluded. 10 different uh, phases that I found shared by most of the practitioners. Um, I started to describe it a little bit, but it was all a very rough sketch uh, of such a framework. And now on on my flight back, I I thought a little bit harder about it. And and if we could actually bring it in some form that would would make actually sense and Mm -hmm. that would actually distinguish between uh, circles, phases, activities and methods and circles are basically two iterative circles that I see shared uh, among most practitioners. Phases are of course the the more typical phases that you would know. Activities are the steps that you go through in each phase and then methods are uh, applied for certain activities. So I'm, it's a, it's a uh, concept still in the very rough version. Isn't this um, a bottomless pit? I don't know if it is. Um, <laughs> it's definitely a challenge. And I, what, what is really important to me is that it should not be seen as a, uh, as a recipe for successful work. It, should, it, it could either be um, something to try out, to go through. It could be something to help um, educators, um, like to build maybe, maybe uh, a lecture around it. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be something uh, that is discussed, of course. Explain to clients how, how you usually work. I think it's great if you have one diagram that explains your workflow or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I don't know if you are aware of that, but uh, a paper has been published this week, this year, with, with a very, very similar intent. So I would be, you have it there on your desk? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so, it's so classic that, that I would like tell you something, Nico. And, and you would come back and, and answer like, oh, have you read like this, what can this, I do? this I mean, paper? And, it's like, it's okay, my job. Sure, come on. Um, yeah. I'm not quite sure if I know which one you are referring to. Can you no, no, but I mean, it's really interesting. I would really like to compare the two things if, and see if there are any commonalities and, and where they differ. Maybe the interesting part is also where they differ. Yeah. yeah. And, so, uh, so we should do an episode with Benjamin and uh, probably Miriam. The I process. Have, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, yeah, so sure, sure, check. sure, sure. Check. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I would I would be happy to give it a look if you have anything you can send. Yeah, there's a there's a very first uh, iteration, but I already actually don't want to show it anymore because a lot <laughs> of the the content doesn't make doesn't make sense and it's not like it's not precise. Um, yeah, but but I, I'm happy to send it over to you at some point, uh, okay. and 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 also explain a little bit how I plan to de- develop it further. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, Santiago, do you want to say something about what you presented at Visualized? Okay, uh, first, in relation to what Benjamin there <coughs> said, I, what I found really interesting and beautiful about the Benjamin's uh, talk was this uh, like meta-information, as he said, uh, the fact that that it's interesting to see how someone could be at the same time working on projects and analyzing the projects and the process on the projects. I think that's the, the value of his presentation. The fact it, it is clear he got a lot of value 
and analysis and interesting data uh, about the entire process. So, in the in the further steps, he he was able to compare projects, and that was great. That that I think was the the, the interest point of his, of his talk. Like, okay, I can learn from different projects in order to make better ones and through better processes. Okay, so uh -huh, I, I make it his presentation. Yeah. Like, my presentation. Uh, the idea was to to argument or to show that information visualization is a cultural medium that you can use it to express much more than only quantities or relations that you can use it to express like very wide cultural ideas or emotions or stories through different uh, types of techniques and so what I, what I basically did was to, to to feature several projects and with with each project try to try to ar argument uh, from one particular point of view that defended the whole idea of, of visualization being being a language. And I think the the highlight of the of the of my talk was when I presented the work of, of a ten years old kid that created amazing handmade visualization on very mm -hmm. uh, subjective ones. Mm -hmm. And in that point, I like like felt the, the the public like very happy and it was very optimistic. I think and that was I believe the the best part of my presentation. Okay. Good, 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 good. And uh, are you gonna publish anything on the web that we can see? Yes, actually, I am. I am waiting for the video. So uh -huh. what I want to create is is I want to. With the video, create a, a website uh -huh. in which you will have all the all the links to all the resources yeah. uh -huh. I, I feature in the presentation, but time correlated, so you yeah. can like follow the video and and understand which is the source that is is related with what what I am talking in that very moment. That sounds super cool. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. you need to do that. Cool. Uh, did they record the videos? Will they so, publish videos? Yeah. Yes. If they are published right now, no. No. Will they in the future? Yes. 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 Okay. They, they say they will. Okay. <laughs> so maybe maybe there's something that Santiago didn't mention, which I think is definitely worth mentioning. Um, uh -huh. So Santiago, you actually built your own tool to come up with the presentation. Uh, Please <laughs> talk a little That's bit about guy. it. <laughs> yes, but it was. It, at the same time, it was fantastic because it basically uh, saved saved my life because the the tool uh, had a a clock like the, the timing in the bottom, and and I was able to present all my projects without the need to close windows and open other windows. But it's an extremely simple tool. It's like HTML with frames. It's nothing more than than that. And then the the clock the clock in the bottom, but extremely simple, extremely useful. Anyway. <laughs> Are you going to outsource this tool or what? It's five lines of code, yes, <laughs> okay. yes. 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 It's, it's crazy how it's much more... noise you can make with five lines of code. But these lines are that long. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's very simple. I think what I will outsource finally is, is more the idea than the, than the code itself, you know? But yes, I want to publish it so people will 
quickly understand. It's really simple and easy to to build a site, you know. Okay. Good. Can I can I jump in here? Sure. Sure. Um, <laughs> I have to say, both of these gentlemen are being very modest about what they present. Um, <laughs> first of all, Benjamin, his outline of process was amazing. It was extremely detailed and thorough, and I I thought it was just fantastic. I mean, it, it highlighted everything that that we do. But I think for for most people, it's um, Sorry, is that me? Um, for most people, I think that uh, you know they, if they're just coming into data visualization, or if they're you know looking to work with someone as a vendor, it's incredibly helpful for, for people to see what that entire process is. I think it's invaluable. So it was, it was incredibly detailed, and even though he's dissatisfied with it already, I think it was really wonderful. Um, and then Santiago presented amazing work, and the thing that he's remarking on, yes, people responded well to the to the boys' visualization, but he got lots of oohs and ahs about his work. He did one fantastic piece. Um, well, he showed some iterations of, of things that we've seen in the past, but new versions that are really exciting and cool. Uh, and I encourage everyone to go check them out. But he also showed this piece about um, constellations and how, uh, you know, seeing them in the night sky uh, presents one uh, visual representation. But once you start to look at the distance of the stars, and he showed this like amazing 3D model of like the distance of stars and how they form a different shape in, um, based on their constellations. That um, was gorgeous, absolutely stunning. Good to hear that. Santiago, you want to comment on that? <laughs> no, we cannot hear you anyway. <laughs> okay. <coughs> Sorry, I'm still recovering from my flu. Um, okay, but that's not a, an episode about visualized, so let's let other people speak. Who else wants to speak? Raise your hand. I can see you all. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Maybe we can ask to Yuri what he's doing in Costa Rica. Yeah, Yuri, okay. you have to un unmute yourself. I'm sorry, I cannot do it for you. Do you hear me? Yeah, I can hear yep. you. Can you can you introduce yourself again? Because when you introduced yourself initially, we were not broadcasting yet. I'm Yuri Engelhardt. I'm a researcher and teacher in data visualization at the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Fantastic place. I, I lived there for a few months some years ago. I loved it. I also love it. The only thing um, that I find difficult is the weather in the winter. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but you that, said you are in Costa Rica now. Yes. <laughs> now. Are you doing some vis there or is it just for <laughs> leisure? Um, yeah, I'm exploring Costa Rica and I'm exploring data visualization in Costa Rica and I found a lot of interesting things that I had no clue about. Actually, the uh, Costa Rica Institute of Technology has been teaching data visualization for many years. Their students are doing interesting stuff, mostly in D3. Um, uh -huh. There is, uh, we've had a fantastic week with Alberto Cairo. Just very recently, um, I love Alberto's work and his personality, and we had a great time together. He was uh, he was coaching a group of about 50 journalists, designers, and developers at the national newspaper La Nación. 
and it was it was very very inspiring. There's great people here at La Nación. Uh, there is, for example, uh, investigative journalist, uh, data journalist Giannina Segnini. She was on the jury of the Data Journalism Awards. Uh, we were both invited to speak in Paris at the World News Summit. There is Manuel Canales, who has been winning awards at Malofier. And there's a very passionate team uh, of developers, infographics designers, data analysts. It, it, it's amazing. Uh, I am very interested in this field of data journalism. I teach a lot of journalists, but my own background is basically data visualization, and I love this application that is booming in data journalism. Okay. There's, are you we, are you a journalist by training or or what? No, I have a PhD in computer science. Okay. But I hang out a lot with graphic designers, and in addition to the University of Amsterdam, I teach at various design schools and art schools. Okay. Cool. Uh, but here I, in I can Morris. totally recommend Yuri's uh, PhD thesis. I have to I have to mention that briefly. <laughs> so oh. I, I think I read it five six years ago or so when I was doing masters, and it's about the language of graphics. So it's this idea that graphics is a language, Santiago Nords, right? <laughs> and so it looks at the syntax and the semantics of graphics and facts. And I, I I should read it again. I just realized that. Yeah, <laughs> we should all probably so. It's at, uh, probably in the recording you can't see the link, but it's yuriweb.com, and there you can find it. Yeah, we'll post that in the in the blog post anyway. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm very honored with your uh, with your comments and compliments. Thank you, Moritz. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so and you are still teaching visualization in <laughs> right now. I am basically supervising master's theses in data visualization from my hammock under the papaya tree <laughs> and uh, we're I'm, you have to tell, tell me the secret on how to do that because I'm, uh, I'm on a kind of extended sabbatical combined okay. with parental leave we have oh, two cool. two very small boys hanging around here okay. and they love they love this country and the warmth and everything but I'm, I'm very active we have a, a tableau user group Costa Rica we have a Facebook group Visualización de datos, data visualization in Costa Rica, and it's 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 amazing to to be in a. I hang out a lot in Europe. I teach in Barcelona at Universidad Pompeu Fabra in a postgraduate on information visualization, uh -huh. uh, and various other places. But for me, it's amazing to be in Central America, and and find all these data visualization things going on and people doing amazing stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Well, w when we had the interview with Alberto, uh, I, I had this strong feeling that South America is really booming in terms of uh, visualization, especially journalism, visual journalism. Yeah, yeah there's it's, two it's really happening. A lot of things are happening there. Yeah, there's two newspapers called La Nación in Latin America that are doing great data visualization work. That's La Nación here in Costa Rica and the other La Nación in Argentina. Yeah. Cool, Santiago, you are in the right in the right part of the hemisphere. Of course, no, kind he is. of. No, he says. You want to say something? Uh, we cannot hear you. You have to unmute yourself first. No, I I live, I live completely isolated from Buenos Aires. So I am actually more close to Barcelona, to New York, than to Buenos Aires in terms of connection <laughs> and things going on. So, but yes, I I know people at La Nación here in Argentina, and they are doing excellent stuff in terms of opening data 
uh -huh. making it accessible, and then uh -huh. start creating platforms to work with with that data. Yes. Okay, but you have the South American ribbon, right? So people say, "Oh, this guy is from South America; it must be cool." I, I'm cool. That's true, <laughs> and I am from South America. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Moritz, maybe you want to lead the discussion because I'm coughing like like crazy, and I oh, didn't anticipate okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe we should mute you. Yeah. <coughs> can, can we mute you as a moderator? No, I think you can. No, we can't. Oh, too bad. Yeah. Um, okay. So we um, have a few more people here. We have a few more. People. Who's, who's next? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, don't be shy. Oh, here we go, go. Steven. Hi. Um, one of the questions I had for you guys is uh, I'm working with um, a number of different data sets. An example right now being even though the NHL season is currently locked out, we're still living in hope that they'll be hockey again at some point, and we're taking a look at uh, individual stats for specific players. That's fine when we're dealing with a large canvas like a computer monitor, but we're trying to figure out how do you scale down the number of data points as the screen size decreases. So how do you determine sort of what's the density of information that you would put onto something the size of a tablet versus something the size of a phone? Because um, when you're talking about 800 players or so, obviously the the way that you approach it is going to be one way for a, a high-res large screen device like a TV or a computer monitor, but then much smaller when it comes down to uh, something on a more mobile size. So I want to know what your thoughts were in terms of how do you go about approaching that sort of information density per you know, pixel, I guess. That's a good one for models. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great because I I don't really do much mobile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who does I, mobile? I, I, yeah, has, Kim, does maybe Kim does experience? some mobile. Do you, Kim? Uh, we don't design specifically for mobile, other than um, other than tablets. Uh, but we, I mean, the way that I would approach that, or the the periscopic would approach it, is just by the the use case, I guess, by the user. Uh, experience point of view, uh, and you know, look at what you know. What is the most important aspects to get across? What are the the key takeaways that a mobile user would be looking for? You know, you don't have to show every single thing. Just find, um, uh, you know, without knowing the specific data set and without looking at it, it's hard to say. But um, I would just start with the user. Um, and also, I just saw uh, Hacks and Hackers New York recently had someone present uh, about that very thing, and I know they just put their slides up, so I would uh, either ask Chris Wu, you can find her on okay. on Twitter, or you can um, just Google Hacks Hackers in New York City, and those slides are up. So I haven't looked at them uh, yet, but it looks like an interesting topic. Maybe as a general rule, you can expect on a traditional in a traditional setting, people might better be able to navigate to the spot themselves where they find the information they want to find. And in a mobile setting, you want to think more about how to push the right type of information in a given context. So take time into account, take location into account, general situation, and sort of then try to figure out a bit more automatically what that individual data point is that somebody's interested in. You can't expect somebody to navigate huge lists on a mobile phone or 
deep navigation schemas. But I haven't seen that great data visualization on mobiles, honestly, and maybe that's that's a structural problem, or maybe that's just because it takes time to get used to how to design for them properly. Okay, the way we've been approaching it so far is to look at it more as a weight, as a tool, at least on the larger screen for people to explore and to be able to compare different types of player stats against each other. So how many game winning goals over the course of an entire season or how many, you know, what's your shooting percentage based or contrasted with the number of penalties per minute or those kinds of things, which lends itself to being able to look around and sort of see interesting correlations. But what I'm, what I'm hearing and what makes a lot of sense is that type of exploration is not going to work on a tiny little screen. So, yeah. um, yeah, thinking about it more from the perspective of what's the context in which they're using it would certainly make a lot of sense. So are you are you actually trying to have uh, the same data on different on different devices at the same time, or or you have uh, different projects? Well, it's necessarily because it's the same players. Uh, it's going to be the same stats. It will. It doesn't necessarily have to be the full range of stats mm -hmm. given the limitations of bandwidth of the device. Um, but I think like what, what we what we see people doing quite a bit with mobile devices is using it during a sporting event to be able to look up individual bits of information about a player or about something that just recently happened. So um, what I'm thinking as you guys are talking is that rather than providing a way to explore the full universe of every single different player, just focusing on the ones that are active at the moment or the ones that are maybe the, the top 10 for each type of category and approaching it that way might make more sense. Yeah, yeah. or if yeah. a player just scored a goal, then show that exactly that context-specific info, you know, that what you, that you might be interested in that player at that point in time and push that rather than have the user pick that from a list or something. Cool. So what just I'm doing is that it, it's going to be an entirely different build for uh, different devices. Sure. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Sure. I put a, uh, a link to the uh, the current work in progress over in the chat there. It shows the full data set. And you, when you look at it, you can see, of course, that's not going to work on like a tiny little screen. Yeah. Do you have any other questions or comments? Um, I like the, uh, the podcast quite a bit. My, my fiance gets a kick out of how nerdy you guys sound. <laughs> So. <laughs> so you should show her the video so she sees how nerdy we look. <laughs> I will let her know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I know no other uh, specific questions. Uh, it's, it's, it's been great to be able to ask you this so far. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to you. Yesterday I went to a data visualization meetup here in New York. And I had quite some people drop, uh, dropping by and say, hey, you, data stories, we love it, and so on. It's cool. We should make a t-shirt, uh, Moritz, at some point, or something similar. Or a handbag. Or a handbag. But t-shirt is, is better, I guess. Um, OK. Any other comments or questions you guys have? Oh, Karen. Karen, Karen we yeah. cannot hear you. You can maybe type something. Yeah, can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Hi, Hi, nice to hear you. Um, so I'm starting you my... Want to briefly introduce yourself? Okay, so I'm just starting my PhD in information visualization um, at UT Dallas. 
and uh, we're starting to get a group that's coming together with the arts and technology department as well as I'm in the CS department. Um, so my question is how to narrow down and find a good research topic because it seems like <laughs> that's that's the only grail. <laughs> I know, but it's hard because on the one hand, well, right now I'm just doing a temporary project on um, visualization of collaboration networks. Yeah. And so, just to do that is um, basically I'm saying I'm going to look at complex, you know, graphical data. And then it almost feels like if that's the path I go down, then my research is defined by the type of data that I'm, that type of data. And uh -huh. as opposed to, um, well, I guess the other option is you end up working with a different group, like um, a group doing like bioinformatics research, and then you end up doing research that's really tied to their research. I don't know. It just seems hard because partially in the arts and technology department, what is a project in that department, um, I mean, from my perspective, it's a project, but from their perspective, it's research. From my department's perspective, the CS department, it's not really research. It's just a project. So how yeah. do you define what's research versus what's a project? It sounds like something I should answer here. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know how honest I can be in public. <laughs> I try to be very honest. <laughs> you can speak in code. <laughs> in code, I, I have to use my fingers. <laughs> can we do that offline? <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, well, my experience is that I don't remember. There, there was a nice, a nice set of slides, PowerPoint slides, who some researchers did some years ago about the fact that basically when you start a PhD, you start like this, and then you this, 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 and at the end of your thesis, these hundred pages you write is about a tiny portion of the idea you had at the beginning. That's how research works. It's having a very precise questions and trying to answer this question in a, in a systematic way. So uh, I think I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the dichotomy between projects and research because I, I, I found this thing. Yeah, Yuri, you want to speak? Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you, you want to say oh, well, something just, right now? Yeah. Just a very brief warning yeah. about not following your advice, not narrowing down your topic fast enough. I kind of refuse to give up the big question that I wanted to answer with my PhD thesis. Yeah about the fundamental unifying principles of all theories of data visualization yeah, and I yeah, am yeah. Great, grateful to Moritz about his very <laughs> kind <laughs> words but uh, the warning is it did take me eight years to finish my PhD thesis so I do advise you follow Enrico's advice. <laughs> <laughs> no really I mean it's always like that when you start you 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 want to conquer the world but that's not the way research works Research works by, by uh, trying to answer a tiny question and build on top of it. And that's painful at the beginning because you really want to conquer the world. But the way you conquer the world is by answering tiny questions. And another thing you mentioned, I mean, you said you are in a CS department, right? Yeah. That, that's a very tricky thing because visualization can happen in many different departments. 
And if you are in a CS department, the people who are going to evaluate your work are computer scientists. Don't forget that because they want to see computer science stuff. They don't care. They don't actually give a shit on, on yeah. I know that's on, on seeing pretty pictures on the screen. Okay, mm -hmm. they want to see where the computer science contribution is. So be very careful. I, I mean, I think we should keep talking about that offline if you want to. Okay. We 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 could very easily spend a couple of hours discussing this thing, but you have to be careful because okay. I I encountered many problems myself. So it's and so almost every person who's been working in visualization during the last ten years in computer science, I'm sure, had very similar problems. Okay, well, thank you for everyone's feedback. I really <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to add to that, and now that Yuri said it, it's, I, I also recall that my, my supervisor, Boris Müller in Potsdam, he also said, you know, I always had these big plans, and he always said, it's just a thesis. No? Yeah. Relax. It's Relax. just a thesis. <laughs> and, and, and you're just demonstrating a skill. You know, it doesn't... It does, I mean, if, if, you, if you actually advance the field, that's great. I mean, but you're lucky if, if that actually happens, you know. But foremost, you're demonstrating that you can do a certain thing in a certain structured way. And then, fingers crossed, maybe you're advancing the field as well, but it's just a thesis. And, uh, <laughs> it's just a and, thesis. Yeah, you don't want to hear that maybe while you're in it, but... Afterwards, you say, "Yeah, basically, why did I, you know, why?" why? Well, uh, at the same time, I think it's not a good advice to fly too low. I mean, it's not a matter of not being being or not being ambitious. You can still be ambitious, but by trying to solve little problems, little by little. Yeah, but then it's, the, it's the not one a paper. Of... You know, it's that one paper maybe that is really the the thing that advances the field. But usually, the thesis doesn't. Yeah, Just that's do that. True. The that's thesis true. is just that report on what you did, basically. Well, unless you are Jock McKinley, for instance. Yeah, some some people. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. I mean, Yuri's thesis is pretty good, actually. So. <laughs> yeah. Have Have I mentioned that before? <laughs> <laughs> He's hiding away. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thesis, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, Misha, you want you want you want to say something? You typed something on the on the chat. You have something to say, it looks like. <laughs> right, no. You had no. similar problems, you said? Yeah, no, it was in, in reference of what you said with the um, computer science crowd and visualization. It's um, like, I'm, I'm, um, I'm sort of, can we talk about the user interface, like case, uh, case studies? And they're like, oh, but can we just perfect our algorithms a bit more? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, um, well, it's, um, actually, actually, it's really interesting what you can learn with uh, machine learning about data and society and and patterns. I mean, it's it's entirely fantastic. Um, the the trouble is kind of also learning how to uh, make other make make um, the computer science folks understand that the thirty thousand dots on screen, even if they're perfectly organized, are really cool, but communication is is still necessary so um so one one has to learn a lot of negotiation skills but um i, I suppose the point is that um well, there there is a fantastic amount of stuff you can do in in computer science now that we have all this open data but um visualization can play a good role as well and it's a question of finding the right language to 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 explain it yeah yeah and actually, this reminded me another thing you said, Karen, that 
I think you mentioned that the fact that you are collaborating with some sorts of domain experts or something like that, right? Um, so that would be the other option. No, right now I'm not. I'm working okay, yeah. in the arts and technology group okay. uh, just on collaboration. But the other option is to go that uh, more specific route of either bioinformatics or like our geology department has a lot of data. I've been yeah. asking people, hey, do you have data that you need visualized to yeah. try and see if that would lead me to a good research area. Because that that's another super tricky issue that we we people working with data they want to have some real data and, re, and connections with real people right, but you always end up with the risk of doing basically engineering work and no research because you are always solving their problem and and creating no new research on top of it. So mm -hmm. that's again super super tricky, and I've seen that happening many many times including myself, so that's, that's super tricky again. Um, okay, why don't we let somebody else speak? Yeah, we Who should else? say hi to Wes. Wes joined us. Hey. Yeah, Wes is founder of Pitch Interactive, and incidentally, I'm wearing that t-shirt. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, he sent it to me last year, which, thanks Wes, that was nice. You see, I actually still wear it, so. That's great. <laughs> it looks good on you. Oh, totally. I, I still fit in, by the way. Growing belly, notwithstanding, I still fit in. <laughs> I want one. Yeah, I yeah. want one. Yeah, we should all get one. Free t-shirts. Hey, I've, I've, I've got a box full of them here, if you want one. <laughs> yeah. You, you, don't wash, we'll... you don't wash your sweaters anymore, you just pull out a new one, right? <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> Living in luxury. <laughs> we'll, send, we'll send you the data stories one once you once we have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you guys need help with uh, getting them so screened or something like that. Yeah. <coughs> if you can handle the amount we will need, I mean, we're looking at hundred thousand here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Maurice. Think big. Think big. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe I forgot Stephen can sort of organize that show on CBC that we will have. Stephen, is that an option? Saturday night show on CBC? Sorry, you're looking for a show on CBC? Yeah, <laughs> can, can you make that happen? Uh, I, th I think you overestimate my importance here. <laughs> uh, come on, we help you with that mobile app, and then yeah, I, I work in the strategy group, not in the actually doing something group. <laughs> um, I did actually have a, another another question, um, and it had to do with the the piece that you did around the Olympics. Uh, I think it was called Emoto. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was looking at that, it was obvious, like uh, looking at all the different phases that your data went through in terms of collecting it from the fire hose, putting it through an analytics engine, and like I was just impressed at like the number of different stages it went through. Um, from your perspective, when you're actually building something out, how do you know what you're working with in terms of data? Because I'm I'm assuming all of that infrastructure was not in place on day one when you started, or maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't even in place on day minus one, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was difficult. No, that was one of the biggest challenges. So what we did actually, the first thing we did is collect some data, sports data, 
and then had a sort of a simulation running of, you know, replaying that stream over and over again. And so we collected, but we had only data. So we were just looking in the newspaper, okay, is there any sports event? And we just had the golf masters yeah. and the soccer Euro cup. And they were both um, not really representative of what happened at the games because the games were much more like massively parallel and yeah. much more delayed because there were all these different time zones commenting on things later. And it was just much more echoey and much more in parallel than these individual events. So the golf masters, they really had these nice curves, you know, where you would see, ah, oh, now they start playing again and then now it's over. And the games were a big mess in that respect. And I, I knew, for instance, the BBC, they also wrote a full simulation of the games in order to test their, um, wow. to test their software. Yeah, because they also had these real-time aspects to their part. And they, they wrote a simulation of the Olympic Games, more or less, you know, with like agents that would like send out messages and would be like randomized and always running. So were you building out your prototype with uh, dummy data or making assumptions mm. on what the data was going to be? look like or the structure that it was going to come in at or did you know pretty yeah. much right off the hop? You were just get, basically guessing based on the, the data we collected before. That was sort of representative but not that really that representative. And then the first three or four days we did not announce the project you know, during the games. So a few people knew but we, we sort of soft launched it so we had a chance to tweak the parameters and we made sure beforehand that everything was tweakable. You know? yeah. So we and the other thing we did is we never worked with real absolute numbers, but everything was always relative. So because if you don't know if you're getting 10,000 or 100,000 or a million tweets, you know, we never showed it worked yeah. actually in the graphics with an absolute number, but always with a relative to the, you know, what happened five minutes before or something like that. So then I guess if you're doing everything relative to the amount of traffic based on each sport or event, if you're, how did you address uh, difference in scale in terms of the amount of activity between one type of event and another, because they would end up necessarily looking yeah. the same if you we didn't. doing like small multiples effectively. Yeah, we we didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you know, hundred meter sprint is like millions of people tweeting at the same time, and yeah. uh, you know, polo or hockey or whatever, nobody cares. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, this Olympics project—it's—it's—it uh, it's, was very difficult. I—I I have to say, we sweated a lot. Very difficult because of how uncertain the data was, or why? Everything real time, real time, too much data, unknown data. Um, a big part of the technology stack like breaking away three weeks before launch, stuff like wow. that. So, yeah, but Moritz, you still have this data, right? And you can play with? Yes, so we have 12 million just... tweets. Yeah, we have 12 million tweets. If somebody's seriously interested, we can we can give you a download link. Um, and if you, so we have a few scientists actually analyzing the data now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. More like, yeah, because now we know how things went down and you know, there's this nice reference to this real events and then you can see how well the tweets predicted something or um, uh, how much attention which topics got at what time. So, yeah, cool. yeah we, are, we, are, we, are, we are really interested in how that would work out. Yeah. So you can do it all over again for Sochi? Um, I can't really, but we're, we're sort of working on that, yeah. 
Cool. To, to do it again two years or four years. Um, Yuri, you wanted to say something before? We cannot hear you. Nothing? Okay. No. Okay. <coughs> Sorry. Jim, you, you never talked so far. Alright. You have to unmute yourself. Can you? Hello? Can you, oh, okay. Good, Hi. good, good. Uh, Hi. Sorry for interrupting earlier. I, I, I thought we were all muted by default. My, my mistake. Um, no problem. Uh, I'm Jim Vlanningham, um, uh, data visualization hack so far. Uh, my my first introduction into it was was uh, your original uh, uh, blog post about how to become a uh, the the interview you had with Moritz that that eventually started up the uh, Data Stories podcast. So uh, thank you again for for that. Um, I've I've been mostly involved in um, JavaScript based uh, uh, app, you know uh, web based visualizations using D three. Um, I have the, and then uh, recently I was fortunate enough to to have a post on flowingdata.com about making interactive uh, data visualizations. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, other than that, I'm I'm really just getting started in this world of data visualization and and just really enjoying the uh, the community as uh, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, Kim mentioning uh, how how uh, open and, and collaborative everything is. Uh, do you I mean, do you see this that that movement changing as as more and more of us hacks get in and and take up uh, uh, you know space in this will will it become more competitive to a point that um, the collaborative nature of the of the area goes away? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Uh, I feel at the moment it's still very, you know, very cooperative. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, and I, I don't see that going away. And probably it's because, I mean, everybody has this feeling. Okay, we're in this together. You know, it's like we, we need to we need to sort of advance the field. It's so important. And also, there's not. I mean, there there is a big demand in the field, and so it's not really that we all have to compete. So if you don't get yeah. the one job, you take the other one. <laughs> yeah, Whatever. I mean, every person I know who is doing this thing professionally, the feedback I get is always, "Look, I get so many requests that I, mm -hmm. I don't have a problem right now." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, how long is it, is it gonna last? I have no idea, but <laughs> I don't know if it's just a bubble or. <laughs> but no, but we we always discuss that, Moritz. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a kind of. Yeah, I, I mean, in which part of the hype cycle are we? Yeah, yeah. Right. Are yeah, we, we like never ascending or are we? Yeah, who knows? But hey. who cares? I mean, as long as we are having. <laughs> just so I can say something. I mean, maybe it's it's not hey, the real question, I mean, right? Let's just think do about it the elections right now. Yeah, I think yeah. that we're on a, a wave that's going to be growing. I mean, look at the elections and and what's happened as a result of of, of data mm -hmm. science and everything. I, I think we're actually in a very good position. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I would argue against anybody saying that we're in a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I had to say something, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but yeah, absolutely right. And it's like, I mean, both the Obama team, but as well as, as um, how's the New York Times guy called? Sorry, I'm blanking out here. The, the chief statistician. Nate Silver. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Yuri. I mean, both of that shows that it's actually 
it helps actually you know it's it's not like it makes things better but it uh, prettier or so or look better but it mm -hmm. actually helps in, in performing better so probably that's yeah uh, the only the only thing I worry about in terms of this being a bubble, I, I often waver in this as well. Uh, but I think that we, we can't underestimate like the uh, the fickleness of our clients. <laughs> yeah. And but as soon as there's you know some new other trendy thing to to go online to, they're they're gonna hop on that. So I'm just playing devil's advocate. Uh, <laughs> I I know we're all incredibly important, but. Uh, <laughs> I worry about the next big thing. Yeah, I, I welcome when, when when this stops becoming so trendy. Actually, I think that would be a great thing. And, and people who contact us are always serious, rather than than they just want cool infographics. I mean, half of the the projects that come our way are people who really just want to have like Nicholas Felton style infographics made made in five days. You know, it drives me nuts. So mm -hmm. hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully it will we'll keep maturing. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask Apple can well burst. <laughs> Yuri, you want to say something? Yes, I have a question that is related to competitiveness versus collaboration. And I guess Kim knows a lot about it. Um, it's the issue of visualization that matters in the sense of um, like Periscopic is doing. Um, data visualization for social causes, humanitarian causes, environmental causes. Three years ago in 2009 at VizWeek there was a panel on changing the world with data visualization. This year at IO, Kim you were involved, there was a panel called Can Bar Charts Change the World? And it might all sound very naive but my real heroes in data visualization are the people that work on visualizing things that matter, on trying to, in the words of the Spanish visualization organization, visuality, working to improve our world one data visualization project at a time. And I wonder whether there would be space for us to create something like um, Datakind, Jake Poray, yeah. um, where organizing, you know, there, there's lots of things going on with open data hackathons, uh, but very little of it is geared towards the visualization part. Could we start Visualizers Without Borders? Uh, could we do more stuff like uh, Kim is doing at Periscopic? Could we, um, would it make sense to start something like Visualization That Matters, where people could actually ask questions and get help from, from us? depending on whether they need technical help, design help, or just some ideas about their visualization to help with their causes, non-governmental organizations, citizen activist groups, and things like that. Again, those are my real heroes in data visualization. Maybe Kim can say something about this. Um, sure. I think that Jake is doing fantastic work. I really love what he's doing. And I think that he is trying to make visualization a big part of of data kind, yeah. uh, and so I, you know, I think that it's it's a part that we, you know, there's a bit of a struggle with it because it tends to be the time-consuming part of the data science, <laughs> and uh, so when they have hackathons, it's you know, there's a lot of time spent in gathering and cleaning up and getting data in some format that's usable. And then it's like, okay, well, now we've just exhausted ourselves. Let's just dump it into a map because 
because it's that's the easy way, easy way to get it out into a visual form. Um, so I think there there's definitely room for for bringing the visualization aspect into that, and I agree that that's where that's where the importance is is like you know taking that that raw stuff and, and pumping it out into a you know something that makes sense, something that's compelling for people. Um, but I mean. There's certainly room for you know anybody who's wanting to take on that challenge. I you know I certainly would love for more people to be doing you know good things with data. I love visuality. Um, there's a group at the UN called UN Global Pulse, which I think is just doing some amazing things with uh, big data and in using it in in ways that we you know most people haven't thought of before for doing a lot of social good in the world. So there are definitely people out there. And I think that, you know, the, the community being so collaborative and so welcoming that, you know, it, you just have to, you know, knock on someone's door to and suggest an idea and people rally around it. Uh, Kim and Periscopic are doing a lot with that and the UN uh, pulse and visuality. But could we also, the rest of us, do more in that direction? Well, you know, it's always hard. Oh, Misha, you want to say something? Yeah, uh, sorry, just to offer a data-centric perspective. I've, I was, I'm also involved with the um, Open Knowledge Foundation, and I was one of the organizers of the Open Knowledge Festival in Helsinki a few months ago. And there, there was a lot of different organizations from um, kind of doing different things around data, whether it's open science or, or open development. Um, and there was about 13 topic topic streams. But uh, not to make this sound like an advertisement for the for the event, but what I meant to say is that there's um, um, increasingly a big movement to open up data, whether it's from official. Um, like official sources like the uh, World Bank or to crowdsource it somehow by grassroots movements. And they're, they're all really passionate about doing that, but they, they're just not really good at communicating it. So there's, um, there's definitely a case for um, Yuri's um, suggestion. Yeah. And I think what would be really interesting, so I've been thinking about along the same lines many times, but I never came to the point of convincing myself that we need uh, something that is specific to visual visualization. Because I in a way, in order to, to build up this whole thing like, like data kind, like the folks at data kind are doing, you need a lot of resources, a lot of effort, a lot of connections, and, and so on. So I'm not clear whether it's better to create a thousand different uh, uh, I don't know, a whole constellation of things or trying to make one that is really, really strong. So personally, I think it, it's much, much more interesting from my point of view to try to do more visualization in, in within entities like Datakind where maybe, I don't know, right now they are doing more, I don't know, machine learning or stuff like that. I'm actually, I actually don't know exactly what they are doing, but I think it would much more pay off trying to do more visualization within the existing organization rather than trying to come up with one that says, oh, we visualization folks are also doing that. Because it's never a visualization problem. It's a visualization problem, a data analysis problem, data collection problem. So this, these things of trying to segment everything in sectors, I think it's, it's, it's detrimental to the whole 
to the to the to the big picture to the to the goal right to the world goal so i much more prefer trying to have something that includes people from different that is able to work from different angles rather than again as i said before having the vis folks the machine learning folks the data curation folks and so on but it would be nice to do, to have some you know to actually have a pool of people interested in that and maybe form some interdisciplinary teams or so just absolutely. You know, to, absolutely. to come to that yeah absolutely i don't know uh, how much do does everybody know about jake's um, so the people they work with typically is that more data scientists or um, more technical people is that the general impression or wouldn't like it, somebody interested in visualization also be a good match for data kind my impression is but Kim you might know more about it is that a lot of the people doing uh, this fantastic stuff around the data kind events and the open data hackathons are a lot of well, these days we call them data scientists, sexy people, uh, a lot of machine learning, a lot of technical uh, people, a lot of coders, a lot of programmers, and to my knowledge, but I haven't really been involved yet, I haven't really seen many signs of actually graphic designers, for example, or, or uh, visualization design people helping. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. I think what I would much more prefer is having people like us reaching out to them and say, "Look, I can bring this my expertise on the table," and I'm I'm sure they would be really really happy to have our to have our help. Okay. But, so, hey, can I ask really quick? Oh, sorry, uh, I don't I don't understand that that last comment because there are a lot of graphic designers right now in the field, a lot of artists. Uh, when you look at Jeremy Thorpe, even Moritzus, and and us at Pitch Interactive, we really traverse on, on that sort of boundary between art and and functional data visualization. So, I don't feel that there's any lack in that necessarily. I was talking specifically about the data kind events. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Are you aware of data Sorry. kind? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Benjamin. So yes. yes I am. I am. <laughs> Um, I have a Comcast account, which I'm I'm going to call after this and kind of yell at them for this connection. It's it's kind of lagging. <laughs> That's my excuse. Okay. <laughs> Benjamin, you want to say something? I, I just wanted to add like a quick perspective uh, from our side. We are involved in the in the Swiss chapter, so to speak, of uh, Open Data. It's called OpenData.ch, and it should be by now uh, the Swiss chapter of uh, the Open Knowledge Foundation. And we were involved in, in a lot of those uh, hackathons at the time. And I, I would agree that uh, from, from our perspective, like designers tend to be a little bit shy uh, of these things. I don't know if it's just the, the general term of a hackathon not being something that a designer is involved in. Um, but whenever I do see designers show up and, and when, when, when we or I and with my team uh, go there, like design is always much appreciated by, by the technologists. And so I definitely feel just to the point that you uh, raised, Enrico, that uh, interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary teams uh, can work, work much more efficient uh, on projects like this um, because a, a, a pure design-focused team would, would get stuck when they don't find the data in the form that they need it. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, a data scientist could get stuck when it comes to communicate uh, 
the the results. Um, and so, therefore, I really feel that uh, this dialogue should be should be uh, it should be a dialogue a dialogue rather than uh, two separate teams or camps. Um, and I mean, we are just coming out of a weekend where more than a thousand students were spending like sixty something hours, like hacking visualizations. So I, I think there's a huge potential there. Yeah, but I think Yuri raised a good point, and uh, it would be fantastic to see more visualization happening in these areas. I think there is a lot of potential there. And me myself, I, I have some plans in trying to do more, more, more work in this direction as far as I can. Um, okay, we've been talking for almost one hour now, or exactly one hour. I don't know. Do you? Does any of you have any other comments or questions? Otherwise, I would try to close it here. Otherwise, it's going to be too long. Any other questions or I comments? I should say hi from Mubio from Santiago. He, he ah, got kicked yeah. out, and then he didn't get in anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a tough, it's a tough life here. It's a and, tough life, yeah. Yeah, and also we had a few people who couldn't make it, or they, they came too late, and then it was full. So we will have to do it again. Yeah, it, this was a first experiment, and to me it looks like it went well. <laughs> I really enjoyed speaking with all of you guys. I think it was quite smooth. I, I still don't know what's the final outcome. That's a surprise for all of us. So supposedly uh, Google is taking care of it, uh -huh. <laughs> and this whole thing is going to be up to appear in um, appearing in my personal YouTube account <laughs> and then let's see what we can do with that we'll publish something during during the next days okay and yeah thanks a lot for participating it's been great really great I really enjoyed it Maurice thanks. you want really to good. say something before leaving it was super nice it was great it was really like meeting you it's pretty fantastic so yeah we should actually nice do it more often yeah I, I think so too <laughs> okay thanks a lot thanks bye. all bye 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 bye, bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs>